Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning, Dr. Hilden, taking the holiday off today as uh, your guest host is Dr. Sam Ives is uh, back with us again. Morning, Dr. Ives. Good to see you again. Good morning, Denny. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in, taking your time out of your uh, holiday. Uh, Dr. Ives works in both inpatient and outpatient internal medicine at Hennepin Healthcare. He has particular interest in medical education. You work with residents and medical students. We, we've talked about that. Hematology and the social determinants of health. For those that maybe are new to the show, Dr. Ives, give us a little background. Where did you grow up and where did you go to school? Okay, so I'm a St. Paul native. I All went right. to St. Paul Central High School. Uh, I went to college at Northwestern in Evanston and uh, medical school in California. And then like all good Minnesota boys, I returned to the homeland. So I've been at Hennepin Healthcare for 13 years now. Couldn't, you couldn't take California. You had to come back. I had to come back, you know, <laughs> just uh, all the rain and snow and, the, you know, very late spring here. So uh, I have three wonderful children that live uh, in Minneapolis now. So I'm a St. Paul native but live in Minneapolis. All right. Very good. Uh, and if you are new to the show, thank you, first of all, for joining us. But we're doing what's called an open line show. That means your general health questions. If you want to ask the doctor about yourself, about you or someone you care about, now's your chance. We'll take phone calls and text messages. We've cleared the line, so if you want to call in your question for Dr. Ives, 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807, 81807 for your text messages. We've been hearing some stories here and there Dr. Ives, about uh, Lyme disease. Have you seen much of that around these parts, maybe lately or even in your practice? Sure. So Lyme disease is a disease that's transmitted by ticks. And so it is something where you'd get a tick bite and then the tick would spread Lyme disease to you. It actually has not yet been uh, peak Lyme disease season is when people are out. And actually one of the interesting side effects of having a pretty cold spring is that we actually have had less Lyme disease and less mosquitoes than usual That's too. True. Yeah. So as a result, you know, it's it's uh, one is people are out a little bit less. So like last weekend when it was forty degrees and nearly freezing rain, people aren't going for a nature walk where they'd get a tick. Uh, but in addition, it just the colder weather, you know, it seems to 
keep the population down. So Lyme disease is something where you'd mainly present with a kind of a red rash and it can cause a few other symptoms like joint pain and uh, fevers or fatigue. So the main thing you'd look out for is if you had a tick bite that was there for some time and the characteristic thing is called a target lesion, meaning it looks a little bit like the target logo of a red area that you'd see around the tick bite. And I understand, I think Dr. Hilden, too, uh, has mentioned in the past show, past shows that there are even more diseases that those black-legged ticks can give you. That's right. So the average caller doesn't really need to know all the technical names just to know that from ticks, uh, Lyme disease is just one among many things that can be spread. There's a text that says, uh, vitamins, is there a trusted brand? I know we can't talk specific brands. But the text says, I know someone who just never eats fruits and vegetables, and I am concerned. Well, I, I know what Dr. Hilden would say. that he, As far as these supplements go, he and like a lot of your colleagues would say, eat healthy. Yeah, so most of the time, uh, there's no need to take a multivitamin. So there's a couple exceptions to this. So sometimes our doctor will recommend it if you're particularly low in one vitamin. So one that we get in Minnesota is we, our bodies make vitamin D from sunlight. And so if you're covered in a snowsuit all winter long, you're likely to get low in vitamin D. And this is something that could be in a vitamin. A multivitamin is only particularly helpful if you have a nutritional problem. Let's say you don't absorb things normally. You might have an intestinal problem. Those would be good situations for a vitamin. In terms of where you'd want to buy it, uh, in general, the uh, a bigger store would have a bigger name brand that's more likely to just be a reliable source. So if I were to buy it without recognizing a place in particular, something like a big box store or a chain pharmacy is just going to have a plain old multivitamin. But there's really no need to order a special vitamin off the internet or pay top dollar for something that you probably don't need. How do you test for uh, vitamin D levels and what does vitamin D do for you? Uh, So vitamin D does a few different things. It helps with bone strength and uh, several other processes. In general, you test a blood level of vitamin D. It's most important to check if someone's really having symptoms. So if we checked everyone in the spring when they're emerging from the winter, they might be a little bit low, but as long as they're going to be getting sunlight in their garden, uh, that's something we wouldn't worry about. It's a little bit different in a younger kid where they might need a higher level of vitamin D or someone in particular who needs that. So otherwise, in general, we don't recommend screening for low vitamin D except in a few conditions where we might be particularly worried about someone. So it's a simple blood test. Sometimes we do it when people have joint pains or we're worried about how well they're absorbing vitamins. 651-989-9226. If you have a question for uh, Dr. Ives, 651-989-9226. Otherwise, if it's easier, send a text, 81807. Don't wait, though. You know we tend to get real busy, and we would like to answer as many questions as we uh, possibly can. I was talking to a friend of mine because I basically had a, a physical I hadn't had for a while, but that seems to have changed. It seems like it's not that the health professionals are doing fewer things to you, but it seems like it's more streamlined. Yeah, so one of our texters asked, when I go in for a physical, you know, do they test hearing or test for cancer? And someone else is asking, you know, what's the use of a routine physical? So this has changed a little bit over time. So we used to recommend getting a physical every year or every two years. 
And really, uh, now the medical community uh, in adults has focused more on the if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it type of situation. So in general, a physical is recommended if you haven't seen a doctor in some time. So if you haven't seen one in a decade, it might be reasonable to go in for some routine things, checking your blood pressure and so forth. As far as the texter's questions about cancer or hearing, we often use a society guideline that tells us when's it best to do it. So everyone's familiar at the mechanic. They say we should check your fan belt every this many miles. Well, the same way applies to a human body that we might say, well, there's no good reason to check for cancer until you reach a certain age. You're going to do too many tests where it's not going to be worth your while to do that. So in general, a regular physical, if you're feeling well, it's hard for me to make you do better. However, there are certain things like blood pressure, cholesterol, checking your blood sugar that we do routinely in adults that are useful. So there is a value in a physical. It really depends on your age, if you're male or female, and if you have other medical conditions, how frequently you should be seen. If you're just joining us, Dr. Sam Ives is back filling in for Dr. David Hill. And now you're an internal medicine physician. Exactly what does that mean? What, 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 who do you, whom do you treat? So sometimes people say, is internal medicine, you only treat things on the inside. And, I used to think that. <laughs> yeah, so what internal medicine means, it, it means general medical care for adults. So all of our patients that we see, almost all are adults, and most of them are getting a non-surgical problem fixed. So you might think of your primary care doctor would often be a family medicine or internal medicine doctor. And in the hospital, we treat a wide range of conditions, heart problems, breathing problems, infections, and so forth. So uh, I'm, I'm a master in nothing, but we do treat a variety of things in uh, knowing a little bit about a lot of things. And a family practice physician, that also is a specialty, but it's like uh, family medicine end. is also treats children. So they're like yeah. a combination of a pediatrician and an internal medicine doctor. And some of them will do even do obstetrics, like do some deliveries of some minor surgery. How about that? 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Texter wants to know if you could explain C. diff. Texter says, I'm hearing more and more about it becoming a problem. First of all, what is it? So C. diff is a type of intestinal infection. And why you've been hearing more about it is it's a very hard-to-treat infection. The typical risk factor for getting it is getting antibiotics for a separate problem. And what happens is, let's say you get antibiotics for a bladder infection or a pneumonia, it kills the regular antibiotic, kills a lot of the normal bacteria that are in our gut, and it allows this C. diff infection to really grow. C. diff is something that because there's more antibiotics everywhere has been a growing problem, and sometimes people need several courses of treatment to cure it. So if you imagine having a diarrheal illness, having hit three, four, or five times to get it cured is very problematic. All right. Let, I tell you what, let's go to the phones. I think Sally is calling in from uh, Hopkins this morning. Sally, you're on with the doctor. Thank you. I wonder if neuropathy in both feet would go away. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Doc? Okay. So neuropathy, uh, thank you for the call, Sally. So neuropathy means just nerve problem. And in general, neuropathy can be due to many things. One, the most common one we would see is diabetes causing a neuropathy, but it can be due to many other causes. In general, unfortunately, neuropathy isn't cured, meaning it does not go away. There are medications that help with painful neuropathy, but they're really treating the pain. They're not fixing the nerve. 
So if the nerves going to the feet or hands are damaged from diabetes or other causes, unfortunately, this is typically an irreversible problem. So when you do have neuropathy from diabetes or other things, Unfortunately, you can help with symptoms, but often you can't um, make numbness and tingling can't better. Reverse, you can't fix the nerve, unfortunately. All right. All right. Hang on, Dr. Ives. We'll uh, take a quick break here. Uh, there's a line open if you want to fill it. This is an open line show today, 651-989-9226. Send a text. We have a bunch of those, 81807. 51 degrees in the Twin Cities. We should see lots of sunshine. Highs near 74 today. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. We're talking an open line show. Dr. Sam Ives filling in for Dr. David Hild and answering your questions by phone and by text. And as you can see, Dr. Ives, we have a bunch of both. So let's let's get back to it. Uh, let's see who's been waiting. Uh, let's go to Jane, who's calling in from uh, Plymouth this morning. Jane, you're on with Dr. Ives. Oh, hi. It's Janet, but that's okay. Okay. Thanks, Thanks for your expertise. Um, I'm calling about uh, invasive breast cancer, HER2 positive and it's not hormonally driven. Uh, Dr. Ives, what can you tell me about that? So uh, the caller, thanks for your call, Janet. So uh, there are different types of breast cancer, and you mentioned that some of them are express hormones like estrogen or progesterone, and those ones are treated with a certain type of hormonal therapy, and some are also express something called HER2. And the reason this is important is it means uh, it is treated with a specific medication that targets this. So in general, breast cancer is treated based on where it is in the body, if it's just localized to the breast or spread to lymph nodes or spread beyond that. Typically, breast cancer, depending on several factors like how big the tumor is, might be treated with chemotherapy. But if it expresses this thing called HER2, it would also be treated with a specific medication that's called trastuzumab that targets that. So in general, the breast cancer, uh, you would want to talk to an oncologist or cancer doctor about how big it is where it is, and then these hormonal markers that would sort of determine what type of treatment you would have. You're good, Janet. Thank you for the question. Let's go to Martha, who's calling in from Arlington, I believe. Martha, good morning. Good morning. Uh, My question is, my husband has reoccurring kidney stones, and he's had to have the blasting of it. The word is lithotripsy or something. And we're wondering what uh, things he should avoid eating to produce more stones. And they seem to be growing rapidly. Right now he has one stuck in the urethra that needs attention. Well, thank you for the call, Martha. Unfortunately, kidney stones are a common problem and tend to be very, very painful. So the thing that's important to know how to treat the kidney stone is what type of stone it is. So the most type most common type of stone is a calcium stone. So the things that you would do to treat this from a dietary perspective are to make sure you drink lots of fluids. Interestingly, you do want to maintain a good amount of calcium in the diet. And if you actually had low calcium in the diet, this would 
uh, increase the risk of stones, kind of counterintuitively. And then you want to make sure to have a low-salt diet, so particularly paying attention to processed foods or things like canned soup that have a fair amount of salt. And these would be things that would reduce the risk of a calcium kidney stone. I will just say that there's different types of stones. So if your husband suffered from a different type of stone that would do that, And then lastly, it is important to talk to your doctor about what medications you're taking. Are you actually taking a medication that increases the risk of stones? Because there are some common medicines, not all, but some blood pressure medicines actually treat blood pressure well, but increase the risk of kidney stones as a side effect. So you want to make sure you're not actually doing something medication-wise that's contributing to the problem. Interesting. Texter wants to know, Dr. Ives, what are some causes for extremely cold feet? Uh, Well, besides living in Minnesota, there are some causes of extremely cold feet. So one common cause is either having poor circulation, which means you have poor blood flow. This would be seen in people who have diabetes, high blood pressure, or particularly smokers. But there's also a condition that's more common in women called Raynaud's phenomenon. And Raynaud's is where you get spasm of the blood vessels that go to the hands and feet. And you'd be worried about this, not just if you have cold feet in general, but let's say if you go in the frozen food section of the grocery store, if your fingers turn white or purple, this is something that you may have. So if you have really cold feet, if they're painful or causing sores, this would be something you'd want to know about. All right, back to the phones. We'll uh, alternate between uh, text and phone calls. Catherine is calling from Blaine. Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Dr. Ives, I have a question about uh, coconut oil. I understand uh, that if you take two tablespoons of coconut oil, that it brings down your cholesterol. Have you heard that? So, in general, uh Providers have been looking for a long time for some sort of dietary fix for problems like blood pressure or cholesterol. In general, there are some changes in your diet that affect cholesterol. However, they're a small change compared to uh, how much a medication would lower cholesterol. So you want to kind of think about high risk, how high risk you are from having high cholesterol. If you're just trying to be a little bit healthier and your cholesterol is borderline and you have no health problems, then maybe dietary changes uh, could help that. I'm not specifically familiar with coconut oil as a fix, but it is something you could talk to a doctor about. However, if you have serious health problems related to your heart, let's say you've had a stroke or a heart attack, then dietary change alone is probably not going to be your solution. So if you've had really serious problems related to high cholesterol, then we'd be more apt to recommend medications rather than just small changes in your diet. All right, doctor, uh, there's a a text that uh, the question is, can heart failure cause a heart attack? Okay, this is uh, actually goes a little bit in the other direction. So a heart attack means that there was, in general, there was plaque built up in an artery and the plaque ruptured and a clot formed in an artery so that blocked one of the arteries. So in a blockage is another word for a heart attack. Heart failure is when the heart muscle or the pump isn't working as strong as normal. So instead of having a normal amount of blood that's squeezing out, uh, you might have a reduced number, and this is sometimes also called congestive heart failure because it causes congestion in the lungs or fluid in the lungs. So the most common cause of heart 
failure or the pump not working well is having narrowing in the arteries or having heart disease. Typically, heart failure doesn't cause any blockages in the arteries. It's sort of a consequence of that. So congestive heart failure or the pump not squeezing has many other causes, but the most common one is heart disease or narrowing uh, or hardening of the arteries. Okay. Another texture wants to know, what is Celebrex and how is it used? So Celebrex is a cousin to the more commonly used medication ibuprofen or Motrin. Celebrex uh, has a generic name called Celecoxib, and it acts as a pain reliever that's similar to ibuprofen. It was initially billed as sort of a miracle drug that would work like ibuprofen but have none of the bad side effects of that, such as stomach problems. Unfortunately, that's not very true. So uh, I won't uh, say anything too bad about Celebrex, just to know that in general when you hear something for a drug company uh, who's trying to sell you a product, it may or may not be the truth of the matter or the full truth. Celebrex is just uh, similar to ibuprofen. It's generally used for pain relief, uh, and it does have side effects that are similar to ibuprofen. Interesting. Dr. Eyes, we need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so it's an open line show. If you did not get your question answered this half hour, we'll have more time next. Call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. A lot of excitement that the Brooklyn Park Clinic, expanding its services, that clinic located at 7650 Zane Avenue North, has doubled in size, added more specialty services like chiropractic and acupuncture, a physical therapy gym, and on-site pharmacy. Folks can get all of their health care needs at one location in the northwest suburbs. From primary care to pediatrics to infusion therapy to diabetes education, that Brooklyn Park Clinic and Pharmacy is here for the community's health needs. Learn more at hennepinhealthcare.com slash Brooklyn Park. We'll be right back. A few clouds now, 51 degrees here in the Twin Cities. You stay with us. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. Dr. Hilden is taking the holiday off today. We'll be back next week. You're filling in. For Dr. Hilden is uh, guest host Dr. Sam Ives, who has uh, filled in a number of times. And uh, we're thank- thanks for taking the time on this holiday, because I know you're about to pick up your kids uh, soon. Yeah, my uh, a special thank you to my mom for watching my children last night while I had the night off. So now I get, you know, this morning I'm here, and then I'll be picking up my kids after that. And she can relax. I think so. She'll get a break, <laughs> okay. too. Very good. Uh, if you have a general health question, this is an open line show today. We're not talking about any particular topic. You drive the show by phone and by text. We have lines open if you want to fill them, 651-989-9226. You know we tend to get busy. So if you have a question for Dr. Ives, call now or send a text, 
81807. Speaking of a text, we had kind of a multi-paragraph one there. Maybe you could kind of simplify it for us. Sure. Uh, a texter asked it about their 88-year-old mother and wondering, wondering about a test called a VQ scan. So uh, rather than talk about the specifics of, you know, all of the caller's uh, questions, I'm just going to say, what is a VQ scan and why might you get it? So a VQ scan is a test to look for a blood clot in the lungs. And this test can be done instead of a CAT scan. And it's particularly good for looking at chronic clots in the lungs rather than all of a sudden you had one. Some people have uh, chronic clots in the lungs. This is a very uncommon condition, so most people would never get a VQ scan at all. It's uh, particularly used to avoid radiation. So a CAT scan has radiation, so it's particularly good for someone who's younger and has healthy lungs who's looking for a blood clot. Otherwise, there's not much risk from getting it. The texter had a question about, is there a risk from inhaling something to do this test? And there's actually almost no risk from that. So the test is not painful. There's really a low-risk test, but it has a very specific use. So to look for blood clots in a particular population. So you'd really want to know for your mom just why is the reason they're doing this test in particular but the test itself has very few risks. All right, very good. Texter wants to know, what is stage 3 kidney disease? So when you have kidney problems, they just make a classification on stages 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Stage 3 is the kidney disease where you start to see problems from this. So in general, you can kind of think of stage 1 and 2 as saying there's wear and tear on the kidneys, but it's not actually causing any problems in the body. And stage 3 is when some of the functions of the kidney are such that if your kidneys are only operating, let's say, about half speed or 50%, you might start to get complications. So around stage 3 kidney disease, some people may see a kidney doctor Uh, your regular doctor might recommend some specific testing related to that. And your doctor would know what stage of kidney disease it is by doing a blood test called creatinine. And so they would use this creatinine test to say what stage of kidney disease do you have, knowing that it's fairly common to get some kidney disease as you age. So the amount of people, if we look at 60, 70, 80, or 90-year-olds that have stage 2 or 3 kidney disease, that gets to be pretty common. Okay. Interesting question. It seems like Medicine Texture says is so specialized these days that it's difficult to find a clinic that can do simple things like stitch up a wound, especially if your primary is an internist, where outside of an ER, what does one go for simple things? Well, I would well, say Hennepin has that. Well, of course, Hennepin has that. I'm an insider. Uh, it depends on what type of simple thing you mean. If you mean a simple thing like a, a procedure, often an urgent care place will have a list of things that they do, and you can find this list ahead of time. Now, urgent care, you can kind of think of it like a Valvoline rapid oil change. So it's very good at doing about 10 or 15 things. But if you have a complex problem, let's say you've already been to a doctor twice about a complex back problem, then it's not where you want to go. So you want to go to the Jiffy Lube when you kind of know, well, I have a problem that I know what it is, like I have a cut that needs to be stitched up. You don't want to go to urgent care if you've been having headaches for three months and already saw a doctor for it because they're not going to be really good. They're going to be really good at rapid evaluation of a known problem. So they say, well, you know, you twisted your ankle, you need an ankle brace and some ibuprofen. 
Uh, simple things are going to be good for urgent care. If you have a more complex problem than seeing a primary care doctor in internal medicine or family medicine at Hennepin Healthcare or many other great places in the Twin Cities area or beyond would be where you'd want to go. Very good. Uh, tell you what, let's uh, go back to the phones. Kay is calling from New Alm. Kay, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yes, I was calling about the lady that called in about her high cholesterol mm-hmm. and coconut oil. I've never heard of the coconut oil, but I had had high cholesterol for years and refused to take a statin drug. And I went on raw garlic, one scroll of raw garlic a day, and I my cholesterol fell down to normal. And I'm I'm not the only one. There's others that have done this, and it's worked. So here's a, a, a vote for garlic. Uh, in general, the, again, I just emphasize what I said to other callers. So one, I just say I'm happy that your cholesterol is normal. Two, it really depends on your risk. So if your risk is high, meaning you've had heart problems or stroke, uh, you really want to consider strongly doing the best treatment to lower cholesterol. So that might be just, uh, it'd be great if it was just garlic, but it may require medication. If you just have a high cholesterol and you're otherwise feeling fine, then making dietary changes may be helpful. A texter doctor wants to know, for a healthy woman, age 71, with pain from osteoarthritis of the knee and resulting low back pain, what's a safe dose of acetaminophen alone or in combination with naproxen? So acetaminophen is uh, the generic name for Tylenol. And so in general, we would recommend a, a safe dose, if you don't have liver problems, of something like uh, three grams per day. So an extra strength Tylenol or acetaminophen is 500. So no more than six of those a day. Naproxen is a medication like ibuprofen that has more side effects and is generally not recommended in older individuals in part because of problems related to the kidney. So you'd want to talk to your doctor more about a safe dose of naproxen. In general, acetaminophen Three or four grams a day is a safe number as long as you don't have liver problems. Naproxen and ibuprofen in general are not recommended for people over 65. So you want to talk to your doctor about why you may or may not use this medication or others that are similar. What can, what can it do to the liver? Uh, acetaminophen or Tylenol can affect the liver and cause liver damage in high doses. So we either see this in an overdose, someone who takes a bunch of pills at once, But even chronically, if some people are taking a lot of medications that have acetaminophen, so for example, a pain medication that has a narcotic with acetaminophen, this is something that could damage the liver. And in rare cases, someone requires a liver transplant Mm. if they're taking such a high dose. Back to the phones we go. Tim is calling from Brooklyn Park. Tim, you're on CCO. Hey, doctor. Um, For the last 46 months, I've had a periodic itch in the middle of my back that comes and goes. And I had my wife look at my back, and there's no red mark, no nothing at all. And it just, and we put some cortisone on there, and it may work for a couple hours, but it comes back usually in the middle of the night, or sometimes it just come and go itch in the middle of my back on the same spot. I don't know what's going on. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds like you've been suffering from that from some time. In general, uh, the best medication for itch is a steroid, like you said. But uh, if you don't see much on the skin, you may consider either trying uh, to talk to a doctor about a higher strength of steroid. In general, hydrocortisone, what they sell over the counter, is kind of the wimpiest potency or strength. So it's very good if you have a mild itch, let's say from... uh, 
uh, just a small problem or irritation. But if you got a bad itch, let's say from poison ivy or something else going on in your back, then there are stronger steroid medications that help with itching. If it's such a specific spot, you'd want to think about, you know, what's contributing to that area. Is it something that's rubbing in particular? Are you using something, let's say a laundry detergent that's getting on the skin and irritating it? So these might be things a regular doctor would ask you about if you were seen. All right. 651-989-9226. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Bob and Hackensack, you are on CCO with the doctor. Bob? Hello. Good morning. Uh, I have a Lyme disease, and uh, I didn't catch it in time, and uh, I was given... Seven weeks of doxycycline, and I still have the symptoms. And uh, is there anything you'd recommend to treat the, the symptoms at this stage of the game where it's broken the blood barrier and gotten out into your body? So uh, if you want to make sure that you were got an appropriate test for Lyme disease, so a lot of clinics say they treat chronic Lyme disease, which is a very controversial area. So you want to make sure you saw a doctor and had an appropriate test for Lyme disease. Some people with Lyme disease that's been around for some time will have symptoms like achiness or fatigue. But in general, sometimes people will use symptomatic treatment. Uh, there is no role for long-term antibiotics for Lyme disease. So this is going to be very controversial as far as a topic. But in general, once Lyme disease has been treated, you don't need a second course of antibiotics. But there are medications people take for symptoms like headaches or fatigue that happen after your Lyme disease is treated. All right, Dr. Ives, we need to take a quick break. We have more show to come. Uh, if you want to call in your question or text it, we'll come back and pick up on those. 57 Degrees, it's an open line show on Healthy Matters here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. Dr. Sam Ives filling in for Dr. David Hilden, who will be back next week. Speaking of uh, next week, uh, Dr. Ives, when Dr. Hilden returns, uh, he'll be talking with a special guest about uh, causes of hearing loss. That'll be uh, next week on the show. Sounds like an important topic. It is indeed. All right. We have callers. We have texters on this open line show. Let's do this. Let's go to the phones, then we'll pick up on some text messages. Jerry is calling from Maple Grove. Jerry, you're on with the doctor. Morning, doctor. Um, I have different friends that uh, are swearing by CBD oil, and uh, I just purchased some last week and, and been taking for a week now, and I don't notice a lot of difference in joint pain or insomnia issues or anything like that. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Sure. So uh, a lot of people may have heard of this. So CBD oil is a component from the marijuana plant, and it doesn't cause intoxication or a high in the same way. CBD oil has been touted as a cure or a treatment for many, many different things. At this stage, there is no good research that CBD oil treats anything. So that doesn't mean anecdotally you might find someone to say it's helped my headaches or my back pain, and they may be correct. But at this point, because marijuana was a controlled substance, we don't have a lot of studies or research that have been done on its efficacy. Uh, So there is some studies, especially in situations like uh, the marijuana plant itself in treating low appetite or nausea, 
But CBD oil itself really has no evidence that it's treating these things. So there's a lot of interest in using it. But at this stage, I'd say it's pretty preliminary to expect that it would treat it. This may change in the future, but right now we don't know that it's treating anything. All right, very good. Let's go back to the text uh, messages. Uh, you want to grab that one for Sure. Us? Someone asked about uh, someone who had repeated urinary tract infections in an 89-year-old. And the question was, the clinic didn't do a follow-up urine test after antibiotics. So is that customary? Uh, in general, it is. there is not recommended that you would do a test of cure after you treat a bladder infection. The exceptions to this rule might be if you're pregnant or if you're getting other procedures done. But if you have recurrent infections, sometimes they will put someone on an extended antibiotic. But otherwise, in general, you don't do a test of cure after you're treated for a bladder infection. A texter wants to know, uh, they think they have hemorrhoids. What are they and what can this person do about it? So most of our listeners would be familiar with what's called a varicose vein on the skin. So a hemorrhoid is a varicose vein uh, near your bottom that that can pooch out and cause pain, itching, or bleeding. Uh, Hemorrhoids, sometimes people will feel a little bump uh, near where they wipe, and sometimes they won't feel anything and have a little bit of bleeding. It's important if you have bleeding, though, to talk to a doctor about this. We We can't just assume it's a hemorrhoid without seeing someone and evaluating. There are treatments for hemorrhoid, including anti-itch medications, and in some cases we can do a surgery to see a colorectal surgeon to remove the hemorrhoids that I would recommend if it's symptomatic. All right, very good. Back to the phones. I think we have time. Yes, we do. Denise is calling from St. Paul. Good morning, Denise. Hi, I was going to find out why I have to walk on my tippy toes to walk. I don't know, I get like this prick bottom of my feet, like somebody's poking you with your feet, uh, safety pin or something, bottom of my feet. Hmm. So what would they be? So if someone's having a pins and needles sensation on their feet, uh, this could be evidence of what we'd call a neuropathy or nerve damage. Again, the most common cause would be diabetes. So if you saw a doctor, they would consider checking your blood sugar. Alcohol can also cause a neuropathy. So people who are heavy drinkers, we'd want to evaluate it. And then there's a whole list of less common problems that cause neuropathy or nerve damage, this pins and needles sensation. So if this is an ongoing thing, meaning it's been going on for several days or weeks, a doctor could test you for neuropathy or nerve damage. A texter wants to know about the shingles vaccine. Is the Shingrix vaccine a live virus? Uh, The Shingrix vaccine is, is, uh, to my knowledge, not a live virus. This is one that I... I would have to reference myself because the Shingrix has been on back order, so it's the newer shingles vaccine. Uh, I would have to look this up to be certain because we haven't had it in our clinic for some time because it's been on back order. So it's still available in the community. It's just been out of that. And before, uh, I'll say that I would need to look this one up to be certain because we just have not had it uh, to prescribe. Once we have it, we would be able to talk about whether or not the risks or benefits are right for you. Last week we did a show with a pharmacist, and they said comment on the same thing. Even as pharmacists, they can't. They're standing in line to, to wait for that. That could be. Medication. Uh, what can be done for chronic hypoglycemia, Texter wants to know. First of all, what is that? Hypoglycemia is low blood sugar, and it really depends on looking at are there reasons that you have a medication that's lowering your blood sugar, like a diabetes medication is at too high a dose, Otherwise, the average person uh, would never have a low blood sugar. Your body is very good at regulating blood sugar. Sometimes people say, I feel like my blood sugar is low. 
really, unless they have a problem where it's measured to be low, that may not mean it's hypoglycemia. Things we would test would be liver and kidney function and the function of something called your adrenal gland if, in fact, you have a low blood sugar over some time. Well, you know what? We have, we're just about out of time, and I think what I'd like to do for those folks maybe who need a primary care doc is to tell them how to, where to find one. Sure. So uh, if you are interested in a primary care doctor, uh, Hennepin Healthcare is a great place to go. You can call uh, 612-873-MY-MD or 6963, 612-873-6963. We have a great primary care practice, which I would highly recommend. And that new building just a couple blocks away from here is fantastic. You can get like everything done there. You can get a lot of stuff done there. We have specialists, lab and x-ray, uh, and a great uh, building to practice in. Dr. Ives, great to see you again. Thanks for taking time out of your holiday to come here. Thank you so much for having me, Denny. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks so much. Dr. Sam Ives filling in for Dr. David Hilden, who, as I mentioned, will be back again next week here on CSU. And again, uh, just a reminder what's coming up on the uh, next week's show, Causes of Hearing Loss. So you tune in for that next week here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Nice day here on the holiday weekend. Our- <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.